Welcome to another episode of the Made of Dreams podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Riley. I'm a singer-songwriter who loves the creative process and talking about it with people who inspire me in the hopes of inspiring you to add a little creativity to your life and maybe find some new music to listen to along the way. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to do a quick shout out to Kind Strangers because I'm recording this intro from the Drury Inn in St. Louis, Brookfield specifically, where I'm here for a class and I forgot my iPhone charging block at home. Well, actually, I didn't really forget it. I just assumed that the hotel would have USB plugins like a lot of them do these days on the lamp or the table or whatnot. And so I didn't bring my block. I just had my cord in the car because I'm always charging my phone on the go when I'm, especially when I'm using maps to get where I'm going. So I got to the hotel and I was like, oh no, I can't charge my phone, which, you know, I need it for my alarm. I really don't care all that much. I just need to make sure I wake up in the morning. And so I went down to the front desk and just said, is there anywhere that has a USB plug where I can sit and charge my phone? And the front desk woman, Kay, was so lovely and actually looked, she was like, oh, I'm sure I have one. And they actually didn't, but she got me her personal charger and said, here, just take it up to your room and bring it back at 10 when I leave. So shout out to kind strangers who, you know, do things they really don't have to for people that they don't know. Truly appreciate it, especially when you're traveling and I was like, crap, do I have to go buy a $20 cord somewhere? And um, I totally didn't. And I'm so happy about it. And you know, in the world that we're living in today, a little kindness goes a long way. Here's today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Rachel McIntyre-Smith, an Americana country artist from Knoxville, Tennessee, who has a real gift for storytelling. The Boot called her part Musgraves, part Phoebe Bridgers, all sincere storytelling and heartstring pulling. And Holler called her Loretta Lynn for the TikTok generation. After her first single and title track, Glory Days, went viral on TikTok, Smith saw her audience double in a matter of days. And fun fact, Due to the quirky subject matter of one of her tracks, The Kitten Song, she became a regular performer at cat cafes. At the start of the pandemic, Rachel moved back in with her parents while at the same time watching all the people she had grown up with get married and have kids. But that led to the writing of her EP Glory Days, which came out last fall and just last week she released a reimagined acoustic version of the EP. So we've got lots to talk about. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yes, congrats on both of your releases. That's really exciting. Thank you. Yeah. So what made you want to do a reimagined version of your EP, Glory Days? I love the way that the tracks were originally produced with my producer, Dran Michael, but I really enjoy stripped back acoustic versions of songs. A lot of songs that I love, like Carly Pierce released a lot of acoustic versions of her songs, and I like those better than the original versions. And um, I wrote all these songs alone playing my acoustic guitar. And so it sort of feels like taking it back to where it started and letting people into 
more of what that sounded like right whenever I was just creating these songs. And so that's why I wanted to release acoustic versions of it. And I'm excited. I think that they bring a different flavor and they also highlight the lyrics more because things are more stripped back production wise. And so I'm really excited for people to be able to hear it. That's awesome. I love lyrics myself. And so I remember when I was first writing songs, there was a period of time when I only listened to live albums. And a lot of it was just singer songwriter stuff. So I can, I can relate to that. of really liking the stripped back version. Um, I'm going to ask you some of my podcast, getting to know you questions. All right. It's kind of a little rapid fire. So just the first thing that comes to mind, you have to sing karaoke. What's your go-to song? I know it's cliche, but it's always going to be any man of mine by Shania Twain. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Okay. Is that like a morning thing or more of an afternoon? I would say that I drink it in the morning sometimes, but I would say that I drink tea a lot more right before shows than I do um, okay. in the morning or afternoon. Yeah. So like a vocal thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you like throat coat or is, or is there one that you like? Yeah, I like throat coat, but I also really like it's the celestial seasonings that's just a Christmas thing. It's like sugar plum fairy tea, but oh. my whole family's obsessed with it. And so my mom <laughs> like bulk orders it. Um, and so if I'm drinking tea, it's usually the celestial seasoning sugar plum fairy tea. Oh, now I'm interested. I want to try that one. Is there an artist that made you want to become an artist? I think an artist that made me want to be a country artist would definitely be Casey Musgraves. Her album Pageant Material really opened my eyes to the world of country songwriting and made me realize that I had so many songs and observations from growing up in a small town in the South that could be funneled into country songwriting. And before that, I hadn't really been a big country listener. And so I would say that she's been the biggest influence for my current music. Very cool. Yeah, she's definitely got a unique way of telling a story. And I can hear that in your songwriting, too. That's very cool. Thank you. What was the first concert you went to? So this was actually a really cool full circle moment that just happened a little bit ago. My first concert ever was a Neon Trees concert. Do you remember the Neon Trees, the everybody talks and all that? I went to a Neon Trees concert when I was in high school at the Bijou Theater in Knoxville. And I just recently got to perform my own music on the stage at the Bijou. And so it was really cool, like full circle moment getting to perform on the stage where I saw my first concert. Yes, that's amazing. love that. So how was, how was your show? It was really cool. I didn't get to perform a full set. It was the Tennessee Songwriters Week showcase that they had there, but it was a really awesome experience to just go into the center of that stage and look out at this gorgeous theater that I've Mm -hmm. gone to so many shows and just grown up with. So it was a really cool experience. Nice. All right. Last getting to know you question. What is your most used emoji? Right now, it's probably the upside down smiley face one, which I feel like tells you sort of how things have been going (laughs) recently. (laughs) But yeah, I always throw in the upside down smiley face. Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. Okay. So we kind of talked about your musical influence of Casey Musgraves, but do you have any other musical influences that you feel shaped the artist that you are? Yeah, there there are so many. And I think what's really interesting about influences is sometimes the influences that I say 
influence my music. Other people can't hear them whatsoever and how it comes out, but it's sort of like making a smoothie. You know, you have all these different ingredients and sometimes you just don't, you don't taste the spinach that you added into the, to the protein (laughs) smoothie, but it's in there, you know? Um, but there are so many different people that inspire my music. A lot of those are obviously Taylor Swift, huge inspiration for me growing up. Taylor Swift, Casey Musgraves, Dolly Parton. Since gr- I grew up in East Tennessee, we were just mm-hmm. a little ways away from Dollywood. So we could always go in the summer to ride the roller coasters. And it was really weird when I realized that Dolly Parton was like an international phenomenon because I was like, she's just the woman what? that has the the amusement park, you know, like she's awesome. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, Dolly Parton has been a huge influence. And then also Carol King, because I'm a pianist and the way that she's been able to incorporate piano into her music is just inspiring. And also Linda Ronstadt, as well as the sixties girl bands have also been a huge influence on me. Nice. I like all of those. That's really cool. And I wanted to ask you a bit about your musical childhood because I read that you had intensive piano training starting at the age of nine and then you went went on to win like a lot of awards with with that so I just was curious about intensive piano training and what what that looked like (laughs) yeah so um this is gonna sound really bad but I actually got into music because I was trying to one-up a girl in my class who had just started (laughs) taking piano lessons and my dad found this incredible piano teacher in Oak Ridge which is right next to my hometown and her name's Celeste Vergona she um and she's an absolutely incredible piano teacher and an incredible pianist in her own right. And I started this to just sort of one up a girl at, you know, the third grade talent mm-hmm. show or whatever, but stumbled into like a very rigorous training of piano, but it tapped into all these different parts of my competitive brain, my competitive brain, my creative brain. And I absolutely loved it. And so what I mean by intensive piano training was it wasn't just the type of thing where you would go in once a week and you would practice and you'd have like some recitals. Um, It, we would have huge recitals quarterly, but then we also would have, we would be preparing the whole year for Guild, which is a national piano competition, as well as the Tennessee State Piano Competition. And so I would always have to perform these songs by memory, as well as doing ear training and memorizing all the scales, chords, and arpeggios and everything like that. And so, yeah, I was fortunate enough to win State Piano Competition two different times. I don't think I practiced nearly as much as my piano teacher would have liked because I was also (laughs) involved in some other activities like I was in band and I was in sports and all that sort of stuff. But I I won it twice. And then I also won the Paderinsky Medal, which is doing 10 years of Guild, um, 10 years in a row, getting superior ratings on all of those while performing 10 pieces by memory every year. And so that's sort of how I stumbled into music. And, uh, and I, I am so grateful for it because it gave me a really big uh, base of knowledge for just how music worked before that I had never read music before, didn't know anything about it. And I think that it's also helped me with singing a lot because I can match the pitch and I know what a note is supposed to sound like. So it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of work. And there were times where before a competition, I was just so incredibly nervous. I was just shaking, but I'm, I'm really grateful for it because it's provided me so much knowledge that I use in my music today. 
Definitely. So do you feel like those experiences with the competitions and being nervous have helped you not have stage fright now? Or do you still do you still get nervous? Oh, absolutely. It helped me so much because yeah. um, I remember one time, like before competition, literally praying for Jesus to come back before the state piano competition, <laughs> because I was like, I would rather the rapture happen right now than, oh um, than have to <laughs> get me out this. of this. Yeah. Like, just like, <laughs> take me out of this. And so I was absolutely so nervous before those because I would be playing like, I think the longest piece I had to play by memory was like almost 20 pages. And so whenever I was having to do that and memorize all of those little things, like all of the crescendos, all the accents, all that, it was so like, I will never have that level of nerves (laughs) for Mm. anything after that. Because before I go on stage, I'm always thinking to myself, I'm going on stage and I'm performing a Linda Ronstadt song or I'm performing my own music. I'm not performing a 15 page sonata. Like it, it's yeah. not, it's not that intense. And so <laughs> having that be the marker of what the level the of entry point. Is, yeah. yeah, it <clears throat> makes everything seem a whole lot easier. And sometimes I still do get nervous before going on stage, but nothing will ever compare to the nerves that I felt before <laughs> a piano competition. <laughs> That's funny. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And I always like to think like, well, if you're performing songs that you wrote, like not everyone knows every lyric. So if you mess up, they won't know. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. just keep on going anyway. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I also kind of feel like at a certain point, because I I lead music on, I'm a worship leader on Sundays. And um, I was really nervous when I first started doing that. But then when I had been singing there for a while and I knew that the people that came to church there, like if I missed a note or if I forgot a lyric or something, they would know that that wasn't normal for me. And so mm-hmm. that that also, like now that I've been performing more, I have a lot of my recordings out there. I feel like there is enough proof that I am not horrible, you know? (laughs) And so like, if I go out there and I mess up, just sort of try to like play it off, make a joke about it or keep going, you know? Uh, And so I, I try to have that perspective about it as well. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good perspective to have. I wanted to ask you too, I read that your mom is an English teacher and she encouraged you to write, but you started with poetry. Is that Mm -hmm. true? So would you say that songwriting and poetry, do you think about them differently or do you feel like you can take a poem and put it to a song? Well, I don't think that I, I don't think that I've written just like standalone poetry in a really long time because okay. anytime that I start writing and it's poetry, then I'm like, that's a song. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but my mom definitely inspired me to get started writing. She is a writer herself and she's an incredible writer and she also taught creative writing in school. And so since I was six years old, she was having me write poetry and short stories to enter them in like local competitions and things like that. And so I'm really grateful for her putting that bug in my ear at a really young age because I was really, really shy and there was absolutely no way that I was going to get up on stage and sing and perform my own songs when I was that age, but I was writing and I could have that with me and not really have to share it with anyone, but I was working on that craft. And so um, I, I really credit her a lot for for my songwriting today because if I hadn't had all those years of writing like 
horrible poetry. <laughs> I feel like it got a lot of it out of the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she still listens to a lot of my songs today and she'll be like, well, maybe you should tweak that lyric or do this <laughs> or do that, you know? And so she's, she's still helping me out. That's awesome. So when did you start singing as well? I didn't start singing until I was a junior in high school. I have two older siblings and do you have any siblings? Yep, I'm a, I'm a middle child. So <laughs> I, maybe you'll understand like if you do something and you do it bad, your siblings will never forget it and they will roast oh, yeah. you to the, to the <laughs> end of your life. And so I was so bashful and so shy and I was so nervous like I always knew I wanted to sing, but I was like, if I go out there and I sound awful, my sister and my brother will be recording this and I will never hear the end of it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I really was not going to sing until it was absolutely necessary. And I was in theater arts a jun- in my junior year of high school and they needed a female singer. They needed two female singers or they weren't going to let us do a 50 style musical play. And there was only one other girl that volunteered. And my best friend's brother was like, I know you sing. And he took my name to the, like the teacher. And she was, she was like, she sings, let's do the musical. And everybody in the class really wanted to do it. So it just sort of pushed me to have to audition. Oh. And, and so that was also really cool because I love 1950s and 60s music. I got to audition with the song, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And then I sang Please Mr. Postman in my first show. So that was, that was a really cool to get to do too. Yeah, those are both great songs. I like that. So let's talk about lyrics for a little bit, because it seems pretty clear that you love lyrics. I, I'm a songwriter that also just, I can geek out on lyrics. Do you have a favorite lyric in general or anything that just like sets the bar for you? There's so, there's so many lyrics. The lyric that haunts me quite a bit is, um, you can, wait, what is it? Oh, you can get what you want or you can just get old. That song, okay. that, that lyric haunts me so much because I always am thinking like, you know, like, should I keep trying to pursue a career in music? Should I keep trying to go after this? Or should I just, you know, find another job? Mm-hmm. And that, like, you can get what you want or you can just get old. It hits me every time that I hear that yeah. song. And then also, we're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl. Also, really, every time I hear it, it hits me. There's so many other lyrics but those are the two that come to mind right now. Yeah. What is what would you say you enjoy most about writing lyrics? Do you like to turn a phrase or do like kind of cheeky songwriting? I noticed one of your songs had a line. Is it Queen of Your Hometown or Queen of Queen of Our Hometown? Our and, hometown. Yeah. Um Wait, what were you saying about that? Oh, well, the one that says people will bring you a covered dish and yeah, uh, that that's Queen of Our, our hometown. hometown. Okay, yeah. yeah, those lyrics, they painted a nice picture, and then, oh, but there was the highfalutin. City life so far from your family tree, and all of your history. So come on home, claim your throne when life gets you down. It's nice to know there's somewhere to go when folks care about you. Because you're the queen of our home. 
hosted by Miss Highland. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the cheeky one. I guess I was just going to ask if you enjoyed that cheeky songwriting or a little bit I really do love cheeky songwriting Miss Highfalutin is actually the first country song that I ever wrote and I wrote it right after my huge binge and obsession with pageant material by Casey Musgraves okay and that album is full of a lot of cheeky songwriting but it also has a lot of poignant moments in it too and so that's what I like with my songwriting I like to have more like melancholy moments, but then also have funnier moments. Like on my EP Glory Days, two of the songs on it are pretty cheeky. Like Miss Highfalutin says, um, I hope you find your happy place. I hope that's far away from my face. And then (laughs) in High School Reunion, I say, let's raise a glass. The past 10 years really kicked our class. And so I really, it's so much fun to write those kind of songs. And you know, I know that they're not always like the deepest things, but they're so much fun to perform live. And so I like having that. And then also another facet of my songwriting, I really like, you know, just being introspective and making observations about things. And so sort of having that balance of it's not all cheeky, it's not all sad, but, Mm -hmm. but a mixture of it, I think keeps songwriting fun. Because if I was just writing, you know, one style, I think that I would get, I think that I would get writer's block a lot more. And I think that I would sort of not be being true to myself because I am someone that sometimes I'm really upbeat and sometimes I'm just, you know, in my feelings. Mm -hmm. And so having that balance in my music, I think keeps me moving forward and keep putting music out. Yeah. Do you have any practices that keep you writing or do you write when inspiration strikes? I think that I do have some practices, but they're not necessarily like sit down and write or do this, but it's more about like creating the space in my head in order to be able to have a perspective on things that have happened. Because a lot of times so many things happen just in your day-to-day life, uh, but you can't process it if you don't have time to really Mm -hmm. sit with it and think like, what are the implications of this? What are my thoughts on this? And so try to have some time every week And I don't intentionally set it aside. I just sort of try to find little moments of it where I can just be alone and have it like no TV, no music going, just like quiet, think about the past week or go on walks by myself and hear nature, take some deep breaths and sort of process things or write in my journal. Because once I'm able to clear my mind, it is that's always when inspiration strikes. And I always have at least one thought that I jot down on my notes of like, that could be a concept for a song or that could be a lyric, that could be a title. And so Mm -hmm. as long as I create those little pockets, then it seems like inspiration always finds its way through. Yeah, that's a great tip. I think finding that quiet time, whether or not it's for creative work, is very important when you have the quietness to process what's going on in your life. Very good tip. So I was going to ask you, what makes you feel the most creative? You know, I really think what makes me feel the most creative is seeing other creative people create things that they're passionate about. They're, and not just musicians, but other people as well, For instance, I I don't know if you've heard of this artist. Her name is Ellie Ivory. She is a pop artist based out of Nashville. She calls her genre poetic pop because she puts a lot of thought into her lyrics and they're really great. Um, 
But last year she put out an album called Drama Club Days and she's an independent artist and the songwriting was so good. The the visuals for it were so incredible and the the album really told a story. I remember listening to that and thinking I have to put out something that's not just a single after I heard that because I love the way that Ellie was able to tell a whole story with this project and not just have one one single song that she was promoting in it. And listening to Ellie Ivory's album Drama Club Days really inspired me to make a longer project because I was able to look at the catalog of songs that I had written and think about how they could tell a story, what the overarching visuals would be. And so that was really the inspiration behind doing sort of a longer project. Some other creative people that really inspire me as well. I have these friends. Um, I'm really lucky to call them friends. They have a business called the August Sisters. It's two sisters that were born in August. Their names are Sarah Ann Wagner and Hannah Wagner. And they do, they make jewelry. A lot of the jewelry that I wear when I'm on stage was made by them. They do set design, photography, videography, pretty much any sort of creative thing you can think of, they do it and they do it really well. And so seeing people that are really passionate about what they're creating do a great job at creating that, it's just really inspiring to see. And so I would definitely recommend that people find some people that they really look up to that are also following their dreams. And Mm -hmm. I think that they'll find some inspiration in that, or I hope that they will. Yeah, I love that answer. Honestly, um, that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast because, you know, I'm out there doing my thing and I meet so many creative people that are also chasing their dreams and doing what they want to do. And it's inspiring. You know, you kind of rise together and people see that sometimes, but they don't see the community that you're a part of. And so they're like, how how do you do what you do? And, you know, they're asking all the questions. And so I thought if I could have a podcast where I'm showing people and artists as people being inspired and being creative. Maybe that would inspire people as well. So I love, I love that answer. Um, I love that that answer about having Ah. a podcast. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Well, and also, I don't know if you listen to a lot of podcasts, but I started listening to almost as many podcasts as I was albums. And so I was like, you know, seemed like something fun to try. I wanted to ask you about your EP glory days. Mm -hmm. because it had an interesting start like at the beginning of the pandemic from what I'm gathering you moved home Mm -hmm. and wrote Um, the songs yeah so I would say that glory days is very much a pandemic album in that um like I mentioned earlier having the time to be quiet and reflect on things is really inspiring to me. And the pandemic forced us to all go home and sort of reconcile Mm. a lot of these thoughts that we hadn't processed through and a lot of these memories that we hadn't really thought about before. I didn't write all of them in 2020 or 2021. um, But when I moved home, I was like, what am I going to do with all this time? And so I started thinking, okay, I'll just... I'll sort through all of these photo albums. I'll sort through all my old clothes. I'll go in these closets. I'll like declutter everything. And I thought that this was going to be a really quick, you know, throw this, (laughs) keep this, put this in goodwill, you know, but it turned into like, oh, wow, I remembered a lot of this differently than it actually happened. 
Uh, looking back at all these decisions that I had made and the implications of those decisions, whether they were good or bad, put me on a different path than a lot of people that I knew. And so really sitting with that and thinking about that led to a lot of the music that I wrote for my EP Glory Days. I wrote the actual title track Glory Days back actually over a year ago. It was early 2022. And it was the most vulnerable song that I had really put out or I had written because before I had put out a lot of songs that were cheeky and punny and had a lot of those moments, I had never really cut straight to the point of exactly how I felt. And that's what the lyrics in Glory Days are. And so I had challenged myself to post a TikTok every single day in 2022. And one night I was getting ready to go to bed and I realized I didn't have anything to post that day. So I went back into my archive of things that I had recorded and uh, and I found this song, Glory Days, and I was like, you know, I don't have this recorded, but I usually was only getting like 200 views on my videos and like my mom commenting like, you're doing great, sweetie, or something <laughs> like that. And so I was yeah. like, okay, you know, I'll just, I'll just post this. And I woke up and there were like over 50,000 views on it. And a whole lot of people were, they were relating to the, the lyrics in it. And so that was really a catalyst to inspire me to go ahead and put that out as a lead single and really lean into these honest feelings that I had about sort of my quarter-life crisis. That's sort of how Glory Days came to be. Okay, real quick, I want to tell you about my absolute favorite Can't Live Without It skincare product. I have been on a clean beauty mission and I love Skin X Erin. My favorite product is the pre-cleanse oil. I use that along with her super soft cleansing cloths to take off my makeup every night. It's 100% pure grapeseed oil, all power, no poison, and I swear it makes my eyelashes longer too, so I'm all in. All the products are so simple. There's three oils, my favorite, the pre-cleanse oil, a hydrating beauty oil, and a perfecting night oil to round it out. So head over to shopxerin.com. That's Aaron, E-R-I-N, and use the code AshleyRiley10 for 10% off. Seriously, try it, because great skin is so rock and roll. Mm -hmm. It's a great collection of songs, and I was just I was just looking at the track list, because as I was listening the last couple weeks, I felt like you did a really great job of putting them in a good order, because I was thinking like, queen of our hometown you know it's like you're coming home and then the woods that was the second song which also had a really clever kind of double meaning with the woods you say like I'm living mm -hmm. in the woods but it's really like coulda shoulda woulda those type of woods anyway I felt like the track list was a great order and a really like you said honest collection of songs that really encapsulates a time in your life so well done on Thank that. You. I also wanted to ask you about singing at cat cafes because um, that's novel and I've never heard that before. Yeah. So I I started taking care of my brother's cat, Phoebe, when I was the summer after my freshman year of college because he had rescued this cat and he didn't have a place yet where he could have animals. And so over the summer, I was taking care of her until she moved in, or until my brother moved into a house that could have a cat. And I became obsessed with this cat so much so that I ended up writing a song about her called The Kitten Song. And 
it was just a really fun, lighthearted song. It's still on my YouTube. It's not on my Spotify anymore, but it was just a really like lighthearted, funny song about this cat that I was obsessed with. Like one of the lines in it was mom and dad, forget my diploma. I'm stuck inside a kitten coma because the whole summer, all I did was play with this cat. And so as I was trying to think, like when I graduated college, I was like, I need to start finding places to play. And with the bank of songs that I had right then, I mean, the definitely the quirkiest was the kitten song. And that was what I was getting the most reaction to and the most comments about. And so I was trying to figure out how to lean into that and where I could play that would love a song about cats. And just so happened that I went to school in Chattanooga at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And right around the time I was graduating, I saw in the news that there was an announcement that a cat cafe was opening in Chattanooga. And I was like, these people would love the kitten song. And so I sent it to them and I was like, I don't know if you're even going to have live music at your cat cafe. However, I would love to just come play some for you there. And it was such a great experience. The people there were so great. It's actually one of the most successful cat cafes in the country now. They average like getting over one cat a day adopted. So they're doing great work there, but they were so kind and it sort of felt like playing a house show, but in that house were also 30 cats. Um, (laughs) And I love cats. So that was not a nightmare for me. My dad's allergic, so he never was able to come here and play at a cat cafe. Um, But after I had played there a few times, I realized how many cat cafes there were in the country. And I think that like before the pandemic, there were close to a hundred around the country. And I was just starting to play places. And I'm sure, you know, like it's very difficult to get a history of playing in different cities and sort of build up your audience in different cities Mm -hmm. to convince talent buyers that you could sell tickets somewhere. And so I knew that I was going to have to find a creative way to build my audience in different cities. And so since I'd had success playing at the Cat Cafe in Chattanooga, I just started reaching out to cat cafes all over sort of the eastern half of the country. And they were really receptive to it because there were not, you know, there were not a lot of up and coming (laughs) or any sort of artists that were like banging down their door trying to play there. And so I was able to play in some places and get accepted to play some places that I wouldn't have gotten a chance to play in that town otherwise. And they were all really supportive. And some of the people that I met from performing at cat cafes are still some of my biggest supporters today. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, the tour had to be cut short, but just the few shows that I got to play before the pandemic hit were really awesome and sort of set me up to feel like I had some momentum going on social Mm -hmm. media, going into the pandemic. Nice. And I love that you're just like leaning in and finding creative ways to to do things. And also, I mean, that's a good opportunity for people to come and see the cats that need homes. So yeah, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any advice for people who are just starting out creating music or art, anything that you would say to encourage them along? <clears throat> you know, I, I feel like there's there are so many things that I've learned along the way that have been beneficial to me that I don't I don't know if they'd help other people out. But one of the things that maybe could help people out is figuring out whose opinion and whose advice matters to you um, mm. and whose doesn't. Because I know some artists that 
they they think like, okay, everything that I'm creating like is is great. I'm not gonna listen to anyone else. I'm not gonna listen to anyone else's opinion about this. And then there's some artists that like, I want everyone's feedback about this. Mm, and really yeah. neither one of those is great <laughs> because yeah. because if you're one of the people that thinks, you know, everything, everything that everyone says I need to listen to, then when like user 5063 on TikTok (laughs) says that you suck, then you're going to feel really bad about it. Um, But then if you're someone that you don't think that, you know, you're so confident, everything that you do, you don't need to listen to anyone, then you're also going to get yourself in bad places because you could genuinely be wasting your time and money and effort into some sort of endeavor that's not going to be fruitful for you or your future and what you're trying to pursue. And so that's something that I've really been working on this past year is figuring out whose opinion that I really, really value and um, and trying to let people, a lot of people in that can give their thoughts and feedback, but like not making that so big of a thing that I open myself up to being really upset about every single mean comment that I see online. And so Mm -hmm. like finding that balance is difficult, but I think that if people start to sort of identify the key players in their life that they really always take advice from and always listen to, then I think that it'll benefit them in the long run. Yeah. That's wonderful advice. And also, um, yeah, remembering to listen to yourself as well, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you take that advice and then you're like, do I agree with that? Okay. Exactly. You know, that's a really powerful way to think. So let me ask you too, I was looking at your press kit and everything that you sent over. You have some really cool photos and like some creative photos for your singles. Was that something that you planned for social media or do you like to get into that content Mm -hmm. creation? Yeah. So I actually went to college to study communication so that I could do all my own marketing, branding, videography, photography, website design, all that sort of (laughs) stuff myself, because, because I'd had so much training musically with my piano training, I knew that I had like a, a long like a a big base of musical knowledge, enough for me to be able to write the songs I wanted to write. So when I went into college, I was trying to figure out what other pieces do I need to add into the puzzle to be able to market myself and put myself out there as a singer songwriter. And just the way that everything was shifting where unfortunately, a lot of artists also have to be content creators, whether you like it or not, that was just sort of how things were going. And so I decided since that was the reality of the situation to figure out the skills that I could put under my belt during college that would help me out with that after I graduated. And so I really enjoy social media marketing and content creation now because I know how to edit my own videos and sort of take in control um, those different outlets. And so for the photo shoot for glory days my mom and I actually shot all of those photos a lot of them were like self-timer photos that we did and setting everything up and so I really did enjoy the, the process of um coming up with a costume for it the lighting the angles and then editing those into lyric videos and, and different um pieces of content for social media And that was one of the main things that I just 
loved about creating an EP was that I could have so many different visuals to go with one project. And Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just one single that all of the things were associated with. Really, really enjoyed that part of the process of releasing music is creating all the visuals and social media and all that sort of stuff. So I'm happy that those jumped out at you. Yeah, they definitely did. And I was just thinking like, the pictures really tell the story of the EP as well, which is, it's really cool. And it's a good thing for artists to think more than the songs. So that's great. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense that you have that knowledge behind you and uh, yeah, way to put it to work because I especially love the photo of you, you know, with the, in the lockers, the band uniform and old band uniform. Yeah. 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 I was in marching band when I was in high school and my colors at school were purple and gold and the colors I use for my music a lot are pink and purple. And so it it just fit perfectly whenever I knew that I wanted to release this song called Glory Days and this EP called Glory Days, I automatically knew that I wanted to be in a band uniform in it. And so we were able to buy one of the old band uniforms from my school to take those photos and... I just feel like that sort of encapsulates it because even though I played basketball and, you know, I could have worn a uniform like that or something like that, I feel like a marching band uniform goes more with the vibe of glory days. Of like, yeah. It's not really, it's not really like the cool and popular thing, but <laughs> it's something that, you know. But you made it look cool. The hat and the sunglasses. I mean, oh, thank and you. also like, are those pants part of the uniform? Uh, no, they just okay. so happen to work with it. Um, okay, those I was the, like, man, yeah. your band had a cool, uh, no, okay. <laughs> no, no, it was probably like <laughs> the black bibs that everyone had to wear underneath all of their uniforms is probably um, the actual bottoms to that uniform, but no, those are my own pants. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Okay, well, is there anything that you would want to share with people that I didn't ask you about? Um, well, uh, just let people know that I have all these acoustic versions that are out and I also will have a Christmas song that is in the works that I will be releasing later this year that I'm really excited to share with people as my first ever Christmas song. Is it original or is it a, yeah, okay, fun. And it's a really fun song about how Christmas goes at my house, which is not Hallmark. It's not, it's it's not (laughs) another thing ever goes to plan. Uh, So it's one of my more cheeky songs. It's fun for Christmas. And so I'm really excited about that coming out. And then I guess the last thing I want to share is just like, this is a really awesome podcast. And (laughs) I just really appreciate the platform that you're giving artists to come on here and talk about their process and share about their music. I know how much time goes into editing these things because I <laughs> I used to host a radio show at the NPR station in Chattanooga and like the recording part of this is just like a fraction, a tiny, <laughs> tiny fraction of what goes into it. And so yeah. like this is really a labor of love that you're putting into this to support other creatives. And so yeah. I just am really thankful that I'm one of the people that you had on here. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. It totally is. It's fun though. I'm learning a lot as I go. And yeah, I think I'm like a lifelong learner maybe. So anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, where can people find you online and hang out with you? Yeah. So they can visit my website, rachelmcintyresmith.com or find me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. It's at Rachel McIntyre Smith. And then on Twitter, it's at McIntyre Smith.
Okay. Which, which one is your favorite? Instagram and TikTok are definitely my two favorites, but I I'm sharing stuff on there on all of them. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been fun talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Made of Dreams. If you're enjoying the show, I hope you will consider subscribing or even leaving a review and five-star rating. It really helps out a lot. And if you'd like to find out more about me or the guests or the show, you can head on over to madeofdreamspodcast.com and take a look around. You can also join the Dreamers Digest and you will get a link to my creative state worksheet, which is a little list I put together of some of my favorite tips and tricks for getting yourself in a creative mindset. So if listening to all these artists talk about their work and how they get inspired to do what they do has got you inspired, make sure you grab that resource. And now here is the acoustic version of The Woods by Rachel McIntyre Smith. up the wrong tree Cause now the only thing I see are questions coming down like falling leaves I didn't mean to stay here for quite this long I thought I'd find my answers and move along but now I'm lost and I can't get out Surrounded by towering trees of doubt Would I be your bride if I hadn't run? Would you like the person that I've become? Or would we forgive our past and let go of it all? Would we start fresh if I just gave you a call? But I never will, so I live in the woods Nostalgia made my mind roam Now I call this place home No black and white, just walls of green Cause it never dies and it grows like But I never will, so I live in the woods Would I push past the cold feet? Would I regret taking the leap? Would I make nice with your family? Trust me, would we finally see eye to eye? Would we learn how to compromise? Would we stay happy till we 